Last weekend, uh, I uh, was with the elders. I'm an elder here at River Rock Bible Church. I'm not Pastor Charlie. For those of you that are guests that came today expecting to hear Pastor Charlie, I want you to know that there's one precept and value that we believe as elders. We believe that our pastors' personal, mental, mental, emotional, and spiritual health are important. And we expect and we demand for him to take time off and spend time with his family. So our pastor this week is on vacation, and he was desperate for a fill-in, so I'm the fill-in for today. <laughs> Last week, we were on our elder retreat off of the Llano River, and uh, I was standing on a dock, and uh, I don't know how many rivers you've been around, but uh, I've been in riverbeds that were completely dry and parched, looking desperately for water, and I've been across rivers that have been flowing and raging, and I, as we were on the Llano River and I was standing on the dock looking across there, you could see where there were higher waters at times and it had receded some. But even to where the higher waters were, there were rocks that were consistent, that were stable. Last week or a week or so ago, I was walking through a, a riverbed in Round Rock that was completely dry. And I'm telling you, it is painful whether you're walking in a flowing river or a dry riverbed stepping over those rocks, isn't it? And the good news about the dry riverbed is you can see where you're going and you can feel the chiggers as they're crawling up your body, right? (laughs) As I was walking through that riverbed in Round Rock, I realized that dry riverbed had those strong rocks that were there that would hold the soil together during the rough times. I was thinking about our church, and uh, the name of our church is River Rock Bible Church. Seeing that you and I, metaphorically, at least in my own mind and world, we're one of those rocks, right? We are the foundation for the things of this world that flow by us. There are times that we as rocks, right, we're stable and we're strong and, and we're there for others to stand upon us, right? And there are times that we get caught up in the waves as well, and we're picked up and we're brushed down the river some, and through the crashing together of other rocks, we're polished and perhaps made a little better. You know, when I was young, I was opinionated and I was right about everything, and everyone else was wrong. But as life has transpired and as I have gained a few years in wisdom and age, and this world is buffed up against me, it's helped hopefully, to polish me out and make me a bit of a wiser and better person. Last week, as we were on uh, the elders' retreat, and I was thinking and praying about, Lord, how do you want to use this old rock? Because there are so many young, bright, new rocks that are out there. What value am I? What role do I play and a couple of months ago, Pastor Charlie asked me if I would teach today while he was on vacation, and I said, sure, I'll be the fill-in, and uh, the great news, Pastor, is when you come back, everybody will think you're the most amazing communicator in the world after a week of me filling in. <laughs> and uh, the scripture reference today is uh, Titus chapter 3, the back end of chapter 3 in Titus, and there are, are really, well, there were five attributes that I thought were important for the church of Crete, then I realized I don't have more than enough to say for three points, and I thought I would cut it down, make it a little shorter. You would walk out of here earlier, and at least you would be able to say, Pastor, Judge Gravel, when he fills in, he wasn't very good, but at least he was short in what he had to say. 
So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to look in Titus chapter 3. If you don't, we'll throw the words up on the screen. But there are really three different attributes we're going to talk about today. Two that I think are important for us as rocks, being the foundation of the faith in our community, uh, that I think are important. And then there's a couple of attributes that I hope that none of you have. And perhaps if you do, maybe there can be a little refining to occur in your life that can knock some of those edges off, right? Anyway, in Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 8, our our first truth and concept that I want to share with you today that I think is important for those that are of us that are people of faith and those of us that know God and those of us that are the foundational faith bed in this community, I think one of those attributes that we should be is devoted. And so let me read this verse. It's uh, Titus chapter 3 verse 8 says this. In Titus chapter 3 verse 8 it says, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. I don't know about your life, but in my life it uh, seems to be pretty busy on occasion. And in my world, I'm not sure about your world, the way that the busyness because of my personal life and my professional life, how they collide is I see all of the matters that are coming before me and it seems to be the urgent that rise up and get in front of me. Does that make sense? Sometimes there's a lot of urgent matters that I can't get to, uh, but I get to what I can. And sometimes I have to stop dealing with all of the urgent to deal with some of the most important tasks and responsibilities I have in life. For example, when my grandkids are gathered together Friday at the splash pad here in Georgetown for a birthday party for a two-year-old, there are a lot of important judicial responsibilities that I have, but I don't think there's a greater responsibility that I have to humanity, our society, and my family than to be with my grandbabies when they want to play at the splash pad. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's my role as a grandparent to use all of the resources that I can to be a blessing in my children's life and in my grandchildren's life and to buy as many noise-making devices as I can afford to give them to deal with in their home, right? And those should be loud and obnoxious noise-making devices, right? All of you kids that are in here that have young children, if you're here and you have children age 12 or younger, raise your hand. Right? So for those of you that got your hands up, let me say this. The only reason God made grandmas and grandpas was to uh, help love you, encourage you, and let you know that the war that you're fighting for the heart and souls of your kids is going to be all right. And you're going to survive, and we're going to buy you all the loud noise-making stuff we can give you to go through it, right? So what are you devoted to? That's really my question today. Are you devoted to the things of God? And and one of the questions I have when we talk about devotion is this, and, and I want you to hear me out. There's a lot of things that are really, really good in life. But what's the most important thing that you should be doing with your life? So there's a Bible verse that I've heard for years, and I love it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, and it says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says this. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Let me ask you, when you look at your own life, and you think about your devotion to God, to your family, to your life, to your job, 
your devotion, as you look at the things that you do, how many of those things you do are really just good things versus the most profitable thing? I was meeting with one of my senior staff members at work the other day, and and we were talking um, through some additional tasks that I was pushing upon her. And, and I said, what task can you push off to other staff members? And she said, well, I'm a little unsure on how to know the difference. And here's what I simply say in leadership. What are the things that you are doing? And by the way, if you find yourself to be incredibly busy in life, do this this afternoon. Make a list of everything that you do at home and at work and in life. And then go through that list and ask the subsequent question, what is on this list that only I can do that no one else can do? And those are the things that should remain on your list, right? And then you need to ask the question, what are the things that I'm doing that somebody else can do? And then you need to take those things and you need to pass them off. Guys, listen, all things are good, but not all things are profitable. And when you start talking about God and the kingdom and making a difference for Christ, we can do some really good things, but we've got to do the most profitable things when it involves our faith. Last week on the elders retreat, we did something that I've never participated in before, but I thought it was incredibly beneficial. By the way, I want to read you a quote. This is really good. This is Warren Buffett. I know you've probably flashed it up there twice and I've missed it, but I, I want you guys to see this. Warren Buffett said, um, said that you should find yourself, if you find yourself in a chronically leaking boat, that's because you're doing a lot of good, right? A chronically leaking boat, the energy devoted to changing the vessel is likely more productive than the energy devoted to patching the leaks. How many of you are so busy in life that you're just running around trying to put the fires out and patch the leaks? Anybody? Or does that just apply to me? Am I the only one in this boat? Hello? So last week at Elders Retreat, we made a list of each and everything that we do here at River Rock Bible Church. And we first went back and we graded what what are our highest priorities. Our number one priority is worship what we do in this hour, on this day, in this place. That was our number one priority. Secondly, we listed children's ministry and what we do over here across the hall. Well, we continued to go down that list, and I want you to hear me, church, because this is the leadership in the heart of your church. We can be busy about doing all of the good things, but we need to be busy focusing on the great things and how to make those better. I know this may come as a surprise to you, but there were some things at the bottom of the list that we decided to cut. That's going to revolutionize your life going, oh my gosh, Bill, we're going to stop doing certain things in church. Yes, we are. We need to be focused on doing the most profitable thing versus just doing all of the good stuff. Now, I want to have a little fun here just for a moment, and we're not picking on anybody but you. What are the things in your life that you're doing that you could give away to somebody else which would afford you the ability to do the most profitable thing in life? And so I'd just like to see a hand up in one word or two. Tell me what it is. What are the good things you're doing that you could pass off to somebody else versus the great things that you could be doing uh, with your time and resources? Do you understand the question? Good. This is where you participate. Raise your hand, right? Somebody raise your hand. Come on. What is it? Yes. Good, good example. Delegate taking care of the yard so on weekends you can spend time with the family, right? Somebody else? Yes. Changing my oil. Changing my oil, yes. Right? 
What's the one thing you can do that nobody else can do, only you? And by the way, don't laugh at this. I discovered about 10 years ago that that guy at Walmart or at one of the quick loop places was much more equipped, efficient, prepared, and cussed a whole lot less in the process of changing the oil than I did. So why not get rid of it? All right, good example. All right, somebody else. What is the one thing that you're doing that you could pass off to somebody else? And I'm real patient. I'm not in a rush. I still have 15 minutes. What is it? What about at home? What is it you're doing at home that is a good thing but not the most profitable thing at home? What is it that you're devoted to? Because listen, guys, we can be devoted to doing the good and we miss the great opportunities that God brings in our life. What about you, sweetie? What is it? Right. Always, now that is so sweet. You said always playing on your iPad instead of taking care of what really needs to be done, like feeding your dogs and cats. Sweetie, can I tell you my greatest fear in the world is when my wife and I go to Chili's or we go to Wildfire or we go to BB's now, all we do is see families sitting there playing on their stuff and not talking to each other. And my fear is someday when they die, they're going to be buried with their stuff, but their family's not going to be at the funeral. So what is it? What are you devoted to? Right? What's the good versus the great in your life? We uh, had a pretty long week in our life, and I had a pretty long week in my judicial responsibilities. I serve as a judge here in Williamson County. And my wife had prepared some meals to go out to my mom and dad. My, my dad's older. He's uh, what I refer to as in the fall of his life. And... Uh, just prepared some meals, and then our daughter said she was going to go with the two grandbabies, and everybody said, well, uh, honey, why don't you go with me, or dad, why don't you go with me? And I said, well, you know, I really need to tighten up this message uh, and work on that and not go spend time with family. And I was sitting there working on this point about what are you devoted to, you know, the good versus the great, and it's just like, see, the Lord even speaks to me. It's just like the Lord said to me, you know, Bill, how can you stand up and share what's the good versus the great when you're not willing to practice it in this one part of your life? Hmm. So we all loaded up in the truck and the kids got in the back and they're really expensive car seats and they ate food and got it all over the place. (laughs) And we went to spend time with family. It wasn't long, but it was the right thing to do. When you look at your schedule and Outlook, and it has 17 things listed for the day, what are those things that are on there that you can pass off to somebody else? We were coming back home from visiting my parents, and our granddaughter uh, with this uh, kiddo and and son-in-law, she's the oldest, she's three, her name's Brinley. And Brinley is learning really how to talk. Big words, a lot of words, big attitude, a lot of attitude. And we were coming through Taylor, Texas. Anybody ever been through Taylor? We were coming through Taylor, and she was in my truck so she could see out the windows. And, and we drove by Sonic. And in the back, all I hear these words, Papa, can we stop for a blue drink? And I thought, well, we don't have time to stop for a blue drink. We've been out long. It's going to get my truck messier. And then I realized, you know, sometimes in life, you just got to stop for the blue drink. So we did a U-turn. We went back. 
We got a blue drink that made her happy and a sweet peach tea that made Papa happy. We got, a, we got an order of heart-healthy fries. <laughs> My question to you is, what are you devoted to? All of the good that you're doing? What are those things you need to get rid of so you're only focusing on the great? And by the way, if I can be preachy just for a moment, remember I'm not a preacher, I'm just a judge. If you're a dad and you're here, would you raise your hand? Dads, I want you to know that you can spend generations providing for your family and you can miss your kids and the opportunity to speak into their life. Dads, it is better for you to be poor and at home eating beans and Vienna sausages than it is for you to be out making money and your kids missing your influence in their life. What are you devoted to? So the first truth was devotion. The second truth is this. The second truth is really simple because this is one I hope is not in your life. And it's talked about here in Titus chapter 3, and it's talked about it in verse 9. And, and really the summation of this verse is, is this. It talks about dissenters and people that are divisive. And, and I want you to know that a foundational element for people of faith, you know, the, the river rocks, one of those rocks we shouldn't be, is we shouldn't be divisive and we shouldn't be dissenters. Do you know what I'm saying? I uh, love old John Wayne movies and Rooster Cogburn. Anybody ever seen that movie? Those of you who has never seen the movie Rooster Cogburn, you have, you have missed life, sister, I'm telling you. There's one scene in Rooster Cogburn where she calls him a cantankerous old goat. And I, I didn't know what it meant then. I'm not still certain that I know what it is now. But a cantankerous old goat is somebody who's always complaining, who's always against, who's always angry, and who always has an opinion, and it never seems to be very positive. Is that a fair assumption of the word cantankerous? How many of you just learned the word cantankerous and you've never heard it before in your life? It's a good word. And by the way, some of us think that when we get older, it's permissible for us to be cantankerous. Some of us think that when we get older, that it's okay for us to be more opinionated and more negative. And I would say this to you, the last thing we need are for more negative people to be speaking into our lives. And you may not agree with this, but let me tell you what Bill Gravel does with negative people. They are not my friends. My life is too short, energy is too little, and I don't have time around people who are bitter, angry, and negative all of the time. Go find another person to whine to. Can I just be candid? They will suck your life away. Don't, how many of you know negative people that are dissenters or againers? Would you not agree with me they are life suckers? They can suck your energy away. And by the way, if you're here today and you're a dissenter and negative and you're always against, I want you to know there is a hope for you. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Your salvation is to keep your mouth shut. And to look at people in a positive way instead of a negative way. Now, I wrote a quote down, and I hope you understand the difference talking about dissenters. There's a big difference between asking questions and questioning people. Do you understand that? There's a big difference between asking questions and questioning people. So that's the one we shouldn't be. The final one we should be, and I told you we're going to do this in 25 minutes. It's amazing. The final truth that is here that is found in uh, uh, Titus chapter 3, it's verse 12 and 13, and let me read that. It says, So as soon as I send Armius and Tyrus to you, 
do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter here. Do everything you can to help Zenus, the lawyer. Now that's amazing. There's something in here where they're talking about helping a lawyer. Just saying. Okay, you'll get that joke for those of you that don't. Helping the lawyer and Apollos on his way so that they have everything they need. And I love what the scripture says here. It says, do everything you can. Are you a doer? You see, I think one of those foundations of River Rock is folks that are doers. So I'm standing out on this floating dock on the Llano River, and I'm seeing some rocks there and here. And I look down, and please forgive me, but hear me out. When I look down, I see John Rando, one of our elders. He's a doer. They left the big church to come here to make a difference. People have tread on him, have stomped on him, have walked on his back. There are those of you that are here that this church has been created because he is one of those foundational river rocks. Right? There are others, as I look down, that I saw there that just really uh, made me think about the roles that we all play. Because we have some pretty good doers in our church, wouldn't you agree? We have pretty good folks every day. By the way, we were on the elders retreat, and, or was it the week before, we got a text of the count in our children's ministry area, and it said 50 children were here. So let me tell you what my first thoughts were. Oh Lord, if it is June or July and we have 50 children here, we are in deep weed come this fall, right? It takes doers. It takes people that when you walk in with our kids, it takes doers to make the church function. It takes good, solid stones that are the bed there for us to be successful. Think about Scott and Lucy. Uh, Folks, you may not know, but they're just really amazing people. They serve on the setup team and they serve on the teardown team, but yet they are major leaders in business and industry and travel around the world. But they're no better than any other rock that makes up the river rocks, right? I was really thinking about the doer in my life that really impresses me. And I can talk about him because I have the microphone today and he doesn't. The person that I admire and respect most is a man in our church who's a football coach. He leads a major football team here in the state with 40 or 50 high school employees plus many at the junior high level. He's a moral man, a Christ-like man. He's a man who doesn't tolerate things being done halfway or mediocre. At home, he leads a herd. He's got an amazing wife and three wonderful kids or four. I never get straight because whenever you go to their house, there's always kids coming out. And he works hard and he's strong and he leads there. And he's a doer in the school. He's a doer in the community. He's a doer at home. But yet that same coach who works 70 to 90 hours a week during football season is the same guy before we get going in the morning who goes and hooks up the trailer and brings it here so we can unload it. In just a moment, he'll be tearing down curtains, and right now he's walking around the room counting people because every week of church, he counts. 
And I have to tell you, folks, when I think about the doers that God's called us to be, and I think about those great people of faith who line the river rock bed, the people that impress me, the person I want to be like and to have a servant's heart like and be a doer like is Jason Dean. Now, do not be confused. I know Jason Dean and I know the Lord, and Mr. Dean is not God. But he is an amazing example of what we should be as a people of faith and as a church family. I would really challenge you today in closing as I think about a couple of things we should be and maybe a couple of things we shouldn't be. If you find yourself being these two and not this one, then I would say to you that you're in a great place. I would also say to you that in our church, in the area of children's ministry, and by the way, to this person standing on the platform, our worship is important and what we do here is very important. And I stand with our elders in saying this is a priority, but you better hear my heart. A very close second is what we do with our children. Period. Our children having an opportunity to hear about a loving, living Savior, Jesus Christ, in our classes is important. One of the budgetary priorities we made in the elders last week was that we were going to provide the financial resources to Lauren, our new children's minister, to buy children's curriculum that matched from the littlest ones to the biggest ones. We've not done that before. And we're going to fund that and we're going to provide that. And I would say to you that are here today and you're maybe guests for the first time and you're thinking, well, I like River Rock. I, I want to be one of those rocks um, that others can trample on. I, I want to be a part of that family and that team. I would say this to you, that there are a couple of areas where you can choose to jump in and serve too. You can serve in our children's area or maybe you can serve on the setup or teardown team. Listen, if an old coach and an old judge can tear down, anybody can set up and tear down, right? And by the way, one of the things I really like about Lauren, our new children's minister, and she was in here and she snuck out when I started talking about children's ministry, so then I can say I've talked behind her back. One of the things I really like about what she's doing is when you go in to teach now, you get a little bag as a teacher. And when you walk in that room, every resource, toy, and tool you need is provided for you. And you might say, well, Bill, I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to teach anyone. Let me ask you a question. Do you teach your own children and do you teach your grandchildren? Do you know how to get on a knee and hug someone? Do you know how to change a diaper? Because what my grandson needs in the little area in there is somebody who loves him unconditionally, perhaps will sing to him a song and be willing to change his diaper. I think that's part of being a doer, wouldn't you agree? Now, I would remind all of you that if you're here today and you're a guest for the first time and this message didn't connect with you, just simply remember I'm not Pastor Charlie. I'm just a simple fill-in that's here, and next week it will get amazingly better. And for those of you that were here today and you feel convicted a little bit about perhaps being a dissenter or divisive or you can feel convicted about how you're using your time, use this day and the words that have been laid out before you today with God's Word and let that be a challenge for you to be a better person when you leave this place. And for those of you that are here today, and I'm going to pray for you before I walk off the platform, you're here today and you haven't heard anything that I've had to say. Because your family is walking through the most incredibly difficult time they've ever been in. Your marriage is falling apart. You think you're going to lose your spouse or your mom or dad's on their deathbed. 
I just want to say this to you that irregardless of what brought you here today, I would really challenge you to write down that prayer request and you have my word and the word of every elder that is a part of this church family that we're going to pray for you as you walk through that lonely day, that dark day, and as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We are with you. Now, before I pray, I want to ask a simple question. If you would say, Bill, the truth is, I really hadn't been focused on what you've had to say today because there's a lot of mess going on in my life. Would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to pick on you. I'm not going to harass you. I just want to know who to, who to pray for. Be honest. Okay? Good. All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the men and women that you've brought here and the boys and girls. God, I thank you for Titus and the amazing word that's a challenge to me personally. And Lord, I pray a challenge to those that's been laid out before today. God, today for those that are here whose hearts are broken and they're just struggling to survive, God, my prayer is that your grace and strength would be with them this day. Lord, I pray as well too, God, where do you want us to be doers? Where do you want us to serve? God, how do you want us to delineate the difference between good and great? God, I pray that we walk out of here with some clarity today. And Lord, I pray as well that as we come to a time of reflection for the next couple of minutes, that we would just simply ask ourselves the questions, God, what do you want to teach us? And Father, for a pastor today, as he's away with his wife and his wonderful kiddos, give them a rest this day. Help it to be peaceful and good. We love you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to take just a couple of moments to reflect and just talk to you and the Lord and let him speak to you about his truth for you this morning.